Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love, where talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to be talking about trans sex. My guest today is sex educator and author Lucy Fielding. She's also a friend. Lucy is a queer, kinky, polyamorous, non-binary trans femme. She is a sex educator, writer, and resident in counseling, practicing in Charlottesville, Virginia. Lucy received her master's in counseling psychology at Pacifica Graduate Institution and holds a PhD in French from Northern Univer- Northwestern University, where she specialized in 18th century literature, histories of sexualities, and erotic literature. Her background in literature and history attunes her to the many ways that image, metaphor, and cultural scripts shape and inform the narratives we carry with us as we move through the world, as well as how these narratives inscribe themselves on our bodies. Lucy is the author of Trans Sex, Clinical Approaches to Trans Sexualities and Erotic Embodiments. Welcome, Lucy. Thank you so much, Joe. It's such a pleasure to be talking with you today. Thank you for having me on the pod. Yes, I've missed you so much. For those of you that don't know that are listening, Lucy and I are colleagues and friends, and we met at um, a sex therapy conference uh, weekend. It was like a um, workshop and then became, I thought, fast friends and then uh, went to another conference together and see each other at conferences. And I miss you since this whole pandemic. I miss you too. I miss, you know, like gallivanting and dinners and mischief making. So like, <laughs> right, can't wait too. for 2022. Me too. All right. Well, and I'm so glad to have you on my show, especially at the time that your book is coming out. Although I haven't gotten mine yet. It's still on pre-order. Yeah. So it, it comes out uh, officially on uh, May 24th. Um, so, but I have just seen the final cover design, including the spine, because I'm fastidious about such things. Like I'm somebody who likes to have, um, their bookshelf, um, completely organized and ideally by like color. And I, I wanted like the progress pride flag colors, you know? Mm. And so like, I was very, very, um, you know, um, curious with, with the press about whether or not like, you know, what would the spine look like? Will it be eye catching? So yes, but that, so that's all in, I turned in final proofs, uh, yesterday. So, um, so it's going to the printers now. Awesome. Congratulations. Well, let's let's get right into talking about trans sex, clinical approaches to trans sexualities and erotic embodiments. What motivated you to write your book? Well, I think when I looked out at the landscape of, um, you know, what was out there, there, there's certainly some, a a lot of really great community-based resources, um, you know, such as Mirabelle Weathers uh, zine, fucking trans women, the trans sex scene, there's going to be a trans kink scene. Um, And then there were, you know, a lot of pages like on Tumblr, Um, There's some subreddits, but what I didn't see um, was any kind of material for providers. And I mean providers as expansively as possible to include not just mental health providers and medical providers, but also to think of, you know, the other folks that 
trans non-binary gender expansive folks may work with at the intersection of gender and sexuality and may even prefer to work with apart from uh, a medical or mental health provider. Um, so like ancestral um, healers or uh, pelvic floor PTs or professional uh, dominance. Um, and so, and that is a reflection of the fact that so much of my own exploration of gender and sexuality really moved through more movement and coaching and um, an image and less through t traditional talk therapy. Mm. Um, so, you know, one of the things that really bugged me was that like I would open up um, books, um, you know, fabulous books from the last you know, five to 10 years in sex education. And I would see, um, you know, basically an apology, a disclaimer in the introduction that's like, um, this book is written specifically for um, cis women. While I would love to be talking about trans folks, there's not enough research. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that that was a cop out. I, I really, um, because I didn't want to see any more this need to extrapolate from cis experiencing. I wanted to build something from um, a trans and queer place from the ground up and to really, and to, and what I mean from a trans and queer place, what I mean too is that I, of course, like I am trained within certain modalities, um, Western modalities of, of sitting with, but um, I also recognize that everything mm -hmm. that we talk about with respect to gender and sex and sexualities has been inflected by um, structures such as settler colonialism and white supremacy and misogyny and patriarchy. Um, and so I wanted as best as possible to, um, you know, unsettle those practices. And what, what is it to step out of what, um, white cis folks in Western and Central Europe and the United States in the 19th and 20th centuries, how can we step out of that and come at it from a really queer place? And that's what I like about you. I just feel like as people are listening, I know all of what you're talking about because I know you and I've studied these things and or at least been introduced to these things. And I think sometimes some of these words you're using will go over people's heads to some of the listeners. But if I could just say it in my words and you tell me if I'm wrong, sure. what I know about you because we went through a conference together and at the end we were like – where the fuck is sexuality here? You know, yeah. like we talk, we're learning about trans yeah. sexual functioning, but what about sex and kink and fetish and just the, uh, you know, positions and enjoyment and pleasure parts of your bodies. And I remember your frustration. And, and I remember this day, it was almost like a movie, watching a movie, watching an actor go, I'm going to take care of this. This is, this is what, this is going to be something I take care of. And you did with your book when, and when you talk about 
maybe you could expand a little on ancestry. I think you mean like just family of origin and where people come from in that sense, physiological sexuality, and then just sexuality and eroticism in general. That's the three parts of your book. Is that right? So uh, what what I would say when I when I talk about like ancestral practices or when I talk about lineage or um, as I say in the book, you know, that queer lineage is queer futurity. Um, I'm talking, I'm talking about certainly, um, our families of origins or our, our, the cultures in which we move and how, um, and how, you know, we each are, I say this to my clients all the time, you are someone's legacy. Um, so, you know, we, our, our bodies because of dynamics of intergenerational trauma, but also intergenerational resilience, we have in our, we hold in our bodies the experiences of being colonized, of having ancestors that were um, ripped away from their families, from their cultures and moved via, for example, the transatlantic slave trade, or, um, or you know that um, you know as a as a Jewish femme, uh, having um, folks in my lineage who um, experienced diaspora and experienced the Holocaust, um, and so you know dynamics like that, but also the idea of that we are participating in this sweep of struggle um, that is particularly queer and um, and that um, is very that has to be also intersectional. So the idea that like I am in lineage that in my lineage are folks who fought and threw bricks and bled and fucked and agitated and advocated so that I could inhabit my own skin, mm-hmm. as Jordy Rosenberg writes in The Confessions of the Fox, to inhabit our own skin. That's what's, um, you know, and so I am their legacy and I hold both that trauma and also their means of resilience. They have given me the tools through their wisdom in my body. And so one of the things that I really wanted to tap into in my book is what is that wisdom? How can we tap into that? Um, How can we see that we are not, you know, alone and that we don't have to fall into the particular models that have been prescribed to us um, by cis folks, by cis het folks, um, by white folks, um, by, um, you know, by colonizers. Um, so instead how, like, for example, as, um, my colleague San Cheng writes, um, you know, like, instead of saying like, oh, so you want to be a, a man? Um, what kind of man do you want to be? Like, screw what the, screw what the available models are. What is man to you? What is masculinity to you? Mm. What are what are your stories of masculinity? And what are the stories that you want to write about masculinity and about how that lives in your 
body, mm-hmm. how femininity lives in your body, like, and breaking apart these kind of roles that say, you know, for example, like in a kink context that, you know, like dominance can only be tops and they can't bottom, you know, for example, um, you know, that's, that's bullshit. You know, you can be a dominant who bottoms, you can be a, um, a submissive who tops. Um, and it's, it's, it's all about the intention and the energy and there's nothing that is related there to gender or to genitalia or, um, you know, to what, to being enough or to being too much. Yeah, I love you're you're like um challenging the binary everywhere. Like in every intersectional identity, you're challenging the binary. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, because does does it serve us or who does it serve? Right. It certainly doesn't serve me. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't that I don't have um dear ones in my life or clients in my life who um who are very attached to um to certain emanations of the gender binary or, um, but that is, it's, it's like with monogamy and polyamory, for example, like, you know, it's by all means, like being polyamorous doesn't make you more enlightened. For example, it just means that you probably have given more thought to what your relationship structures are. And so in the same way, like, I want monogamous folks to, you know, like be monogamous by all means, but reflect on what monogamy means to you and how does that live in your relationship, in your relationship agreement, in your body and in your relational body. And so, um, and same thing goes with like with gender, with sex, with sexualities. Um, it's, it's our stories to write. Um, and yeah. So I was going to ask you, but I think you're already answering it. What you, you had said that cisgender folks have a great deal to learn from trans and queer folks. Um, yeah. you're kind of saying that, right? Like challenging the scripts that you've been given and know that you don't have to express it in the way that you were taught. Well, exactly. I mean, for, for example, like, um, you know, you and I know the, um, DSM, five, uh, largely inside and out. We know, you know, like the process through which, you know, things get inserted or taken out, um, you know, and, um, and there's a section of the DSM five that's all about the sexual dysfunctions. And, you know, and I think about that, like, what does that word sexual function and it's antonym, sexual dysfunction, what does that mean? What does that set up? What is proper functioning? And generally what that means is that it it implies genital sex. It implies penetrative sex. It implies, um, it implies genitals and bodies working in particular socially and culturally scripted ways at particular times. So like rock hard cocks, wet pussies, you know, and, you know, um, and one is receptive, one is, you know, one is active, you know, and, um, you know, and, and so like what, um, and desire is supposed to look particular ways and feel particular ways. And what happens, like, for example, if we take something like 
erectile dysfunction, something that is very much a construction of um, pharmacology. Um, you know, the the you know to sell like Cialis and and um, and Viagra, mm-hmm. um, and when they emerged, um, and um, and to say like. Why do you have to have a rock hard penis to have a good time? Like the nerve endings are still there. Um, and so like, what does that do to somebody who is using their, um, who, who has a penis or who has a vulva, you know, and, and, um, or some kind, or, you know, whatever configuration of genitalia they have, they want and what does it say that like that that kind of biology does not determine destiny yes of what of how it's used you talk- and so like yeah oh, go no god no and and what what does that do to you know a person who's like agonizing about like i can't get it up like okay fine like let's figure out like all sorts of other ways that we can interact with your with that part, with, with your penis, or, um, what other ways can we interact with other body parts and bring different energies and intentions? And how does that open up the realm of what sex and pleasure and desire can be? You taught me this. Um, I, I got this from you and I started to use it with trans clients and really with all clients. Um, sort of getting away from the typical, you're right, the the wet pussy, the hard, well, don't they say wet ass pussy now? Isn't that the song out there yeah. that everyone loves? Yeah. And then uh, the hard cock. And instead of how do you use your body for pleasure? What parts of your body are used for pleasure? What aren't used for pleasure? Sort of getting away from um, people being anxious about the belief that there's some way that you have to be to be sexual. I loved it. Exactly. And like the leather community, for example, already, you know, has this in the concept of like leather sex, for example, like the idea that like, we can experience sensation and pleasure and eroticism through many different parts of the body and many different activities that have nothing to do with our genitals or with like PIV or PIA um, sex. Um, so, you know, like, um, you know, I, I challenge anyone to like, you know, sit when we can do this again, when we can go to play parties again, dungeons again, you know, like sit for, sit with a boot black and, you know, by the way, tip your boot blacks and, um, and, you know, like that is an erotic experience, whether you're doing the leather care or your leather is being cared for. I challenge you not to kind of to get off from that. <laughs> yes. Which is great. So you're creating visibility of things and possibilities for people that aren't there now that they can't give to themselves. And that our culture certainly isn't giving them that. Absolutely. Absolutely not. No, because, um, you know, and, and what is the investment in that? Who is, is continually being uplifted we're centered in the conversations, which kinds of bodies are being viewed as the ideal or the norm. And it's, it's certainly not, you know, like, um, it's, it's not fat bodies. It's not disabled bodies. It's not trans bodies. It's not queer bodies. It's not BIPOC bodies for the most part. Um, you know, like, um, and 
this view of what sex and our bodies and our sexual bodies or eroticism can be breaks that all open. And it, and it gives us the possibility of being in the world in a different way, embodying different things. And what else would you like people to know about your work and the book um, that we haven't addressed that you think is, this is a big takeaway that I kind of hope people take. I think it's really that, that, that you are entitled to pleasure. You are entitled to your desires. And there is so much, your body is infinitely expandable. And um, I, I write this all the time, you know, that our bodies are magically multi-orgasmic, polymorphously perverse playgrounds of wonder. And, um, and that, and what is it to approach our bodies, our partner's bodies, from that beginner's mind, from that place of excitement and exploration, and, um, and that I'm not going to impose something on your body. That's what I really would love folks to take away. And I, I mean that, you know, providers and community members, um, cis folks and trans folks, um, queer folks and straight folks, I, I, I want folks to embrace that there is so much possibility and that it doesn't have to look or feel the way that like Hollywood would like us to look and feel. Yes. Like, have you ever had sex on the beach? Like the sand gets everywhere. Um, it's like, it's not fun. It looks great on screen. <laughs> um, but like, you know, like, what if you experience eroticism and lean majestically into the awkwardness of it, the sensual landscape that is all of the smells and sounds and the messiness of it all. And that, you know, like, have a good time, giggle, chortle, and laugh. I think what's most important about your work so much, and I hope the listeners listening to this podcast can hear all the, the nuances and the different things you teach, but it's about pleasure. And that's something that in our field as mental health providers, um, don't talk enough about. And no. in our culture overall, pleasure is all often seen as, oh, be careful. Don't eat too much. Don't drink too much. Don't have too much sex. Don't have too much fun. Be careful. And mm -hmm. it sort of takes away the pleasure, doesn't it? Absolutely. And it's, it's what is productive for society. You know, like the whole field of positive psychology is, is like, is steeped in that is the idea that like pleasure is only to be understood as something that is useful, makes you a useful, productive citizen. Yeah. Um, you know, not, um, you know, like what feels yummy, what is, um, you know, and, Pleasure so many times gets subsumed under the rubric of orgasm or function or performance. And if you just throw all that away and just like have a good time, what I does like that, that do? I love it. That's the most important, one of the most important things you teach. Lucy, where can people find you on the internet and get your sure. book and all that? Well, um, my website, um, lucyfielding.com. Um, I am on all the social medias, usually some variation of at Lucy Fielding. 
Um, so uh, my Instagram is at Lucy Fielding, um, Lucy IE. Um, and, um, and then you can always pre-order or order my book um, through uh, your local independent booksellers um, or through uh, Routledge itself. Um, and if you look on my Instagram or if you look at my um, website or my social media, I have a discount code for ordering the book. Um, lastly, you can always um, find me at uh, trainings and workshops. I'll be giving a pre-conference workshop at ASEC this year, and I'm really excited for that. So, um, you know, come and check it out and join the conversation and create mischief together. <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing that with you. Thank you, Lucy, so yeah. much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And Thank you. Yeah. And uh, those of you who have been listening, I hope you'll keep tuning in. Uh, you can hear more of my podcasts at smartsexsmartlove.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Just go to uh, at Dr. Joe Court. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T. Thanks for listening and until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court. You can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.